today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. I want to spend a little bit of time talking about a report that came out uh, today. Uh, this is from Hamilton Police Services, and uh, it has to do with hate crimes. And uh, I guess the good news is when you look at some of these numbers, uh, they are down, uh, but there's still some areas of, of, I think, very deep concern here. Joining us to talk about this is Detective Paul Corgan. Paul is uh, with the Hate Crime Unit with Hamilton Police Services. Uh, Paul, thank you so much for the time. Good to have you with us today on a busy day. Yeah, it's just a pleasure, Bill. Thank you for having me. Let's talk about uh, some of the numbers here, Paul. And like I say, when I look at the, the bar graphs and some of the stats that uh, police services have presented us here, it's down from last year, but talk to us a little bit about how you actually make these determinations uh, from year to year. Okay, so we're down about 8% over last year. We went down from 136 uh, to 125. So that 136 is a combination of criminal offenses, which we can prove are hate bias in nature, and incidents where we, we can't prove it. So an example would be um, if somebody assaults somebody because of their religion or their ethnicity, that's a hate crime. Uh, if we get graffiti on a building and it says, you know, a racial slur, that's not a hate crime because we can't prove the motivation behind mm-hmm. it. So that's the difference between a criminal offense and a non-criminal offense. But we categorize everything. We keep track of everything that we can. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, we've had instances, and we've talked with guys in, in, in the police service about some of the crimes and uh, graffiti, spray paint, things of this nature. Uh, if, if To make that determination, uh, to, to cross that line into, yes, this is a crime, as opposed to just vandalism, uh, is, is it the severity of it? Is it the location of where the, uh, the event occurs? Or a combination uh, yeah, of it? It's a combination of all, and that's where the investigation comes in. You know, if it's on the side of a building that has no association, any particular demographic, or if it's on the side of a synagogue, it's an anti-Jewish comment. So, you know, that would that would make it. Our biggest our biggest criminal offense, uh, our biggest instance, are graffiti. That's our number one hate bias incident for for every year. It's all graffiti. We're looking at about twenty three, I think, for this uh, for twenty eighteen. Um, and our number one group that's always uh, um, targeted are members of the black community, which is slightly up over last year. We had 41 this year and 40 in 2017. How do you account for something like that? I mean, that's that's a rather troubling statistic. I mean, uh, we know that the Jewish community has always been targeted a, a, a lot mm-hmm. of the time, and I guess those numbers are, yep. are significant again this year. And it seems to be between yep. blacks, uh, the black community and the Jewish community. Yes, it is. Uh, this year, the Jewish community were up 25% over last year. And it's been a steadily increase every year, year over year, um, targeting members of the Jewish community. Uh, we don't know. You know, there's a lot of things that come into play. It's international events, local events. Uh, we also, of course, the Internet plays a big part in this. There's a lot of hate on the Internet now, and people sit and look at this stuff, and, and, and they gather their thoughts, and they go and do these things. So it's very hard to pin it to one thing. The main thing is that we just keep harping on about education and teaching people that this is not acceptable. Do you track that, Paul, what goes on on social media? Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. We have analysts now in, in, in the department, in every different department, including mine, and they, they constantly monitor social media to see what's happening. So the, if, in fact, they see a, a, something that they can red flag, they would bring that to your attention and, and maybe track yeah. that individual or, or whoever it might be yeah. that's actually posting that sort of stuff? Yeah, and it's very important that we do that, and this is why we track incidents, even if it's not a criminal offense, and this is why we try and get across to members of the public that they must report this to us, even if they don't think it's that important or if it's not a criminal offense, because we track people, and in the future, if they do engage in criminal activity, we can use that previous occurrences as proof that they have a hate bias, and then we can get asked for an increased sentence when we go to court, which is where we use that type of information. This is very similar. I, I know when we had the discussion some months ago, but uh, when uh, police services released some data about uh, about sexual assaults, uh, and and the concern that was raised at that time was uh, unreported. 
uh, incidents yeah. uh, like this. I'm sure that's obviously a factor in, in, in you gathering this kind of information, too, getting somebody to actually come forward and report something. Yeah, we, we reckon that about two-thirds of criminal offenses are reported, and that's, that's Canada and also the FBI, they, they, that's their statistics, about two-thirds of criminal offenses, and about one-third of incidents, non-criminal offenses, are reported to the police. So we engage throughout the year about 40 or 50 presentations to many different uh, community groups, religious groups, schools, to ask them to report, and we explain to them what a hate crime is. So... Uh, it's very, very important to report, no matter how small or insignificant you might think the event is. Why the hesitation in some parts, Paul? I mean, just, from, I guess, anecdotally, from the information that you've gathered from those those interactions you've had with some of those groups, is, is it fear of reprisal? It's fear of reprisal. It's fear of the police. Uh, a lot of groups might be, you know, newcomers to Canada. They might have not had good uh, interaction with police in their own country. It might think that they don't think it's that important. They might think the police can't do anything about it. There's many different reasons, and that's why we go into the community and explain to them that you should report and, you know, and, and, and what we will do when they do report. Is there, is there a concern about, about violence, begetting violence here, that if you see something like this, a hate crime of some description, that, uh, that there's always a concern that somebody may want to take business into their own hands and say, I'll, I'll get even myself? Yeah, and that's a fear, of course, you know, and even even apart from that, you know, something that might be minor in nature can affect the wider community, and that can uh, incite violence in other people. You know, we've had instances where, I've had instances where people would be uh, not that upset by the incident themselves. They say, you know what, I don't care, and they move on, but somebody else within their community can get very upset by it. And this is a problem with this type of behavior. It, ex- it affects the wider community, and, and it needs to be, you know, stamped down immediately. Staffing is always going to be an issue like this. Like I said, police service. I think Paul deserves an awful lot of credit for actually for you know putting this unit together. Of course, and dealing with hate crimes and yep. and and I know it's been ongoing. And I think my first interaction with this was way back after nine eleven, uh, when we were talking with the chief at that time about uh, instilling that yep. that sort of an attitude and mindset and and getting people to be aware and of what was going on and to report these sorts of things. It's it's got to be ongoing. But talk to us a little bit about the the ongoing dialogue you have with some of these groups. Uh, for instance, uh, from the black community, the Jewish community, uh, LGBTQ community. I know there's some there's some consistent liaison going on there as well. Uh, obviously, the, the, you know, the, the bad time to do that is after there's been an incident and you have to get some information about it. But you want yeah. to create that, that trust and that dialogue, don't you? We do, and that's what, you know, we work very closely with LGBTQ. We have, a, we're in the schools, we have the positive space committees that we work with. You know, the unit uh, is responsible for raising money for the uh, Pink Prom, which is held every year for uh, members of the LGBTQ community in school. Uh, we also talk to every different group, you know, black community, the Jewish community, the Muslim community. We've run recruitment sessions in these communities. We work with the recruitment division here to, to encourage people uh, to apply to become police officers. So uh, it's really, uh, it's about building that base so that when something does happen that we can, um, we can you know, uh, deal with it up front. What kind of response do you get? What kind of reaction do you get with, with those recruitment uh, initiatives uh, within some of that community? Because that's that's something that uh, not just Hamilton, but I think just about every community uh, is setting as a goal right now to try to be more inclusive uh, with the, the makeup of the department. Are you making headway there? I think so, yeah. I mean, our, our numbers are, are certainly up. And, you know, when, when we go into these groups, we show them that, you know, we put our pants on one leg at a time. We're like everyone else. We need these folks, you know, we need to be representative of, of the community that we serve. And I think, you know, it's 
a long way to go, obviously, but we're getting there, and it takes time and it takes effort, and we are putting in the effort. Are there hot spots, Paul, that w- which you look at here just to say, well, look, this is one area that we really have to pay attention to because there seems to be a larger incidence of, of these sorts of crimes? Well, downtown uh, is, has the majority, uh, and then equally between, we have three divisions. So Division 1 is downtown, and that, that gets the majority of incidents. And then Division 2 and Division 3, the East End and up in the mountain, are, are similar. We're about 36, 35 uh, each. So obviously downtown we have, uh, you know, we have the mosque, and down the West End we have the synagogue. So that, that tends to attract that type of behavior. Um, I, I don't think, I think it's equally spread. It's, it's spread to all demographics, to all uh, socioeconomic classes. You know, hate is learned. That's what we say. We have to unlearn hate. Like, people learn to hate, and, and, and they, their, their fear through bias we pick up over the years, and we try and, you know, counteract that by putting out facts. And again, the Internet has a, has, has a big influence on people's behavior. They read stuff now, and, you know, much of it is not true. And as you said, after 9-11, you know, we saw a huge increase in um, hate towards members of the Muslim community, and that is why this unit was filmed in the first place. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously, it maintains uh, the, that that working relationship right now. And we've seen that trust built with a number of those communities over the last little while. But I guess obviously, yeah. job one here is to encourage people to come forward when they see something or think they, that something could be happening to report it to you and and, and let you make that determination and, uh, as as to how and, and to approach exactly, that. Yeah. Yeah. No matter how minor, no matter how small or insignificant you think it is, or even if it's not a criminal offense, people say it was not criminal, but we need the data, we need to know who's doing this so we can address it. And we speak to people. You know, we've had people involved in road rages or making racial slurs against people. It's not a criminal offense, but we go talk to that person and say, you know, it's not acceptable. You can't talk like that to people. And many times people apologize and say, you know what, I had a bad day, I shouldn't have done it. And it's just an educational piece. Well, and you don't want things to ramp up, do you? And that's exactly and nip it yeah, in the yeah, bud if you can, and have that discussion yeah, with them. Absolutely. Well, it's yeah. it's encouraging to see the numbers going down, and hopefully we'll be having that discussion again in a couple of months, and we can talk about the the impact that you're having, Paul. I know you had to jump out of a meeting for this. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for okay. the time today. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Take Bye. care. That's uh, Detective Paul Corrigan, of course, from the Hate Crime Unit for the Hamilton Police Services. Uh, and and the, that's the takeaway here. Uh, if you see something, if you hear something, report it to police. And, 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 you know, as he says, it may not even be a crime, You may, but that's not for you to determine. That's for them to determine. Uh, because you may think, wow, it's the only time this guy's ever done something to me like this. But they may have information to say, actually, it's about the 20th time he's done something to somebody. So that, that is worthy of, of following up on. So the more information they get, obviously, the better they are at uh, doing their jobs. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.